Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Well, let's, let's have a little bit of fun this morning. Come with me uh, in your Bibles. We're going to read two passages of Scripture. And then um, uh, the title of my message this morning is My Kingdom versus His Kingdom. My Kingdom versus His Kingdom. Le- leadership is, is quite, it's quite an interesting thing. It's a very, very sensitive, very delicate thing in actual fact. So let's go uh, 2 Kings 15.24. 2 Kings 15.24 says, And he did evil, evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. Now right there, you know, if you're the son of a Nebat, it's not, you're kind of starting out behind the eight ball, aren't you? So one of the verses that you will read, especially if you're on the one-year Bible train right now, one of the verses that you're going to read again and again and again and again through Kings and Chronicles is about the sins of Jeroboam. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam. Did not depart depart from the sins of Jeroboam who made Israel sin. Who made Israel sin. And nothing is in the Bible by accident. Everything is in the Bible intentionally. And it's there, it's there for our instruction. And when something is repeated, it's almost like God has put a stone in your shoe for you to stop sit down, remove that shoe, look for what it is. And just as, as I've been reading this, it's, it's just amazing how it jumps out. So now come with me to First um, Kings chapter 12. I'm going to read 25 to 29. First Kings uh, 12, 25 to 29 says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and he dwelt there. And he went out from there and he built Penuel. Penuel was the place where, remember when uh, Jacob had the encounter with God and then he, he limped on his hip because God struck him in the hip. And that, that was Penuel. That was this place. It was a place where Jacob had an encounter with God. So he builds Penuel, builds a place of encounter. You're like, man, Jeroboam has just become the new king. This, this was the kingdom had now been divided. Up until now, the kingdom was David was the king, and then David's son Solomon was the king. But the Bible says as Solomon got older and he began to just marry many foreign wives, his wives turned his heart from the Lord. God had specifically said to the children of Israel, hey, listen, you're not to marry Ammonites and Hivites and Jebusites. You're not to marry the Canaanites because their idolatry is so, so deep and so generationally entrenched that just for harmony in the home, you'll compromise and they'll turn your heart from the Lord. But Solomon's like, dude, I got money I can throw at this thing. I've got wisdom from heaven. I'm the smartest man in the world and the richest man. You know, if anybody can kind of sustain this without falling into idolatry, it's me. But he was 100% wrong. He fell into idolatry and set up shrines to Moloch and shrines 
to to Asherah and uh, Chemosh, you know, which were gods that 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 thrived on child sacrifice and abortion. So he began to he began to go woke in his old, older years, and so God says, you know what? I'm actually going to divide the the kingdom. I'm going to divide the kingdom. So his son Rehoboam becomes the king of Judah. And then the other, well, 10 other tribes, because Benjamin's kind of in no man's land. Benjamin's aligned with, with Judah. But the other 10 tribes um, come under a guy called Jeroboam. Jeroboam was a, was a captain, was an officer. And God sees potential in Jeroboam. God says, I'm going to raise up Jeroboam. There's a prophet called Ahiah. And Ahiah comes to Jeroboam and says, you're going to be the, the new king of Israel. And, you know, anoints him and and so a hydra anoints jeroboam jeroboam becomes the king he becomes the king he's the one that god has raised up god has raised up jeroboam just because you were raised up just because you were sent from sydney to san diego just because god says you're the pastor just because god says you're the leader doesn't mean that i will always follow the lord doesn't mean that i will do everything right even though i'm god's anointed even though i'm god's selected even though i'm god's elevated even though i'm god's positioned so jeroboam does this he he, he rebuilds penuel looks like fantastic a place of encounter and Jer- jeroboam's soul said in his heart now the kingdom may return to the house of david if these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two calves of gold and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel and he put the other in Dan. Now, when we see the golden calves, it goes back to to Aaron. Remember Aaron in the wilderness says, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And they, you know, began to worship him as all idolatry. He goes, he goes back to, to, to uh, all, all of that. The golden calves is, is, is where a, a leader intentionally comes to a place where it's his kingdom over God's kingdom. It becomes my kingdom over God's kingdom. Sadly, sadly, we see this, we see this a, a, a lot uh, where, where, he doesn't want people to go down to Jerusalem. He doesn't want people to go down to see the temple. He doesn't want people to go down and experience the Shekinah glory of God because he fears that, man, if they have an encounter with God, they may leave me. I really like king. I like king. I like privilege. I like give me some of this privilege. Give me some of this honor. Give me some of these perks. You know, I've got a palace. I've got a throne. I'm the king. I like being, I like being king more than I like establishing his kingdom. So I'm going to prevent the people. And it's interesting. Bethel means house of God. Dan means judge. So he's very strategic where he puts the two golden calves. And he says, you don't need to go down to Jerusalem. You don't need to go down to the temple. You don't need to go down to the designated place. Stay here. It's too far for you. Stay here. But the whole thing was a control thing. It was control. It was insecurity. He, he would rather people worship empty religion. 
powerless Christianity. He would rather people worship calves that have no power. These were not the gods that delivered. That's a lie. These are not the gods that delivered them from Egypt. What the heck are you talking about? It was the arm of yud Vava. It was the arm of Hashem. It was the arm of Almighty God that delivered them from the power of Pharaoh, that delivered them 10 judgments on 10 gods that, that, that steeped the land of Egypt. God delivered them 400 years of bondage with a mighty hand. And now all of a sudden you're trying to pass it off. Oh, these are the golden calves. Come and worship here. Come and, come and worship an empty Christianity, a powerless Christianity. Because I fear that if you have an encounter with God, if you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you get delivered from the demonic, if you go down to that awakened church and get healed, you may leave my little empire here. I can't tell you over the years where Pastor Leanne and I have seen pastors that have a powerless Christianity, golden calves set up with false doctrine, wicked doctrine, but they will tell the people in their church, if you leave this church, something bad could happen. You'll come, or if you leave under this covering I, I knew a family in in Australia they went to a church and in that church one of their one of their children um, when they were born the umbilical cord was wrapped around the, the little one's neck and cut off the oxygen so they had kind of pretty severe cerebral palsy cerebral palsy and uh, and they, they were just done with the control and just the cult-like invasiveness into every area of their life. And they, they said to the pastors, we're, we're, we're leaving the church. And the pastor said, really? You, you, you really want to leave this church? Look at your youngest son. If you leave this, if you leave God's protection, something far worse could happen to you. And my friend told me how that family just stayed. And every week, and you think that's, I was talking with some of our beautiful uh, lay pastors at our Eastlake campus who were telling me that the church they went to, he wasn't allowed to date her anymore when he did the internship program. So they had to break up and then he had to intentionally not give off any sign that he still had affection for this young lady because he knew that the pastor's wife and she knew that the pastor's wife, if she discovered that there was romance. If she discovered that these people, she would prophesy over him that this other person is the, the person for you. And when they were even thinking of leaving, sat them down and said, if you leave, you leave the covering. This is, this is a, are they pastors? Yeah. Are they anointed? Yeah. That's what makes it so wicked. That's, that, that's why we're, we're politically engaged. That's why we call stuff out. That's why I've got no problem wearing a Trump bracelet. I tell you what I like about Trump is he's real. He, he, he actually genuinely loves Jesus, but he's not religious. I like when he says the S word at his rallies. Because I'm like, oh, thank God he's not religious. He, he'll just tell it like it. The, the reason they are incensed with him is because he tells it like it is. Because it's amazing power is is it's inoculating it's it's an aphrodisiac it's a drug it's a high it's a heroin when people get into power and people get into authority so so we, we've decided and and it's a daily thing as a leader you have to deal with your insecurity you have to deal with your ego pastor leanne and i this is uh, over 30 years that we've been in ministry now and uh, we've sadly seen how ego and insecurity 
will drive people to, uh, we'd prefer to have two golden calves than actually go up, allow our people to go to the house of God, encounter God. We'd rather hide things to keep people in our church, in our doctrine, in our ways, even though we know they had a genuine encounter and God is moving over here or God is doing that. We see it all the time. So the first, the first area of powerless Christianity is no Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit. This weekend was a magnificent weekend for me uh, because it was, it was such a highlight weekend. Not only did we open East El Cajon campus with the amazing Pastor Michael and Pastor Lisa Hundley, two of the finest humans on the planet, but the, the, the building was, it was just extraordinary. It was just sensational. Pastor Summer and the team have done such a sensational job. It was just incredible. And uh, we had Vision Builders there on Friday night. And the entire Vision Builders team, I am telling you, it, it, it was, it, it, El Cajon looked better than La Jolla. And La Jolla is Espanol for the jewel. The, the way the, the greenery, the table settings, the market lights, people came, said, my God, I, I couldn't even recognize, I couldn't recognize where, and it was prophetic because what, what is, if, if, we're, if we're walking, instead of worshiping two powerless golden calves, if we're worshiping the one true God, you know what his signature is? You won't recognize this place anymore. He turns deserts into gardens. Come on, somebody. He turns wilderness and wastelands into paradises. That's what he does. He takes broken people, people out of poverty where they are flourishing and prospering. He takes addicted people and releases them into freedom where they're no longer captive. It's what he does. It's what he does. Well, that Friday, I had the opportunity to, to pray for someone I'm, I'm to, just to protect his identity, I'm not going to say his name, but he's, he's, he's one of the, the, the biggest voices in, in our culture today, and, but had been struggling with some depression for many, many years, struggling with depression. And, uh, and so I, I got to go and um, go down to beautiful Coronado, uh, suffering for Jesus, where he was speaking at a conference. And, uh, and I, got to, I got to pray with him. And he goes to church. He goes to church every week. He's in a church circle. He's a Christian guy. But when Leanne was speaking with his wife, said, oh, you should actually have Pastor Jurgen pray over him. That sounds like some... So I, I just met with him and we just kind of chatted for an hour. And as he began to, to talk, he began to, to relay some things about his father and things about his mother just in conversation. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, are you listening? Are you taking notes on what he's saying? And then I said, OMG. I said, God just showed me the source of this depression. I said, it's actually a generational thing because depression is usually anger that's been buried becomes depression. And I said, it's not your anger, but I said, it's in your generations. So we went and we prayed and power of God fell. Deliverance began to happen. Word of knowledge began to flow. Bondages began to break. And at the end, it's like, oh, my God, I feel so free. I feel so light. I feel so free. The joy in his face speaking in tongues was incredible. Then Monday, another, another voice that, that you would know. 
you know, one of the most prolific voices in our time, in our generation, had also been struggling. The devil would come in with dark thoughts, trying to, trying to, trying to get him to, to, to throw himself off a cliff, trying to get him to, to the second temptation of Jesus. If you are the son of God, you know, throw yourself down. And these dark thoughts would come and he didn't know how to control it. And he was, and so I said, I know what you need. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, well, you know, the churches that I've grown up in and the people in my world who are Christians say, oh, that's, you don't need that. And that's not. And I said, well, let me tell you why you need that. I said, you need, because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till you receive power. He said to all the disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. I said, which one are we meant to do, go or wait? And he's like, well, we're meant to go. I said, well, why did Jesus say wait? He goes, well, are we not meant to go? I said, we're meant to go, but in your going, wait. What are you waiting for, power? He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So true story it was so, so good. I got to, to pray for this young man. And as, as I prayed for him, it was so, the devil was so slimy. He's like, there's no, there's no worship. There's no atmosphere. It's not going to work. You know, as though, as though the Holy Ghost is like, ah, oh, man, I want to move, but you don't have any tricks. And so it's just so beautiful. God's just like, hey, just watch. I, I actually don't need anything. You don't need, to, you don't need to put me on the back of a cart led by oxen. And uh, so as soon as I prayed, and then again, the power of God began to flow. Words of knowledge began to flow. And he says the same thing. I feel so light. I feel so free. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Every day I'm getting a text message. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Game changer. Game changer. Game changer. Power of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit. There are church, churches and leaders that they don't want people to have an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit because they'd rather build their kingdom than his kingdom. That's not us. Somebody say amen. Another one that, that, uh, that I wasn't expecting over this weekend was uh, that there are some people, they would prefer to be king over their 100 than a prince among 10,000. They, 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 we, we had our vision builders dinner and it was so inspiring. It was so amazing. And yet at the end, end of it, or uh, over the weekend, I get a, this report. And the report was that there are folks who would rather, what, when they saw the empowerment of people, when they saw the, the elevation of people, when they saw the leaders, when they looked around, and saw such strength and prosperity in all these people. And when they heard the testimonies and saw all these people just flourishing, I thought they'd be loving this. Hey, where do I sign up? Where do I have? But it was the exact opposite. They felt like, oh, no, no, hang on. I'll be lost. And, and in fact, that person and that person, that person, that person who's ahead of me. Oh, hey, we're, 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 we're out. We're, we're, we're not in. We'd rather, be, we'd rather be king of our 100 than actually be a prince amongst 10,000. Insecurity and ego. You know, uh, over the weekend, again and again and again, <clears throat> I kept hearing, I am who I am today. I am where I am today because of Pastor Morgan. Pastor Morgan Irvin, because of Pastor Morgan Irvin. So I just want to take a, a, a moment to honor our amazing Pastor Morgan. I know, I know in my life, in my life, Leanne and I, 
have been so impacted by, by the kindness of Morgan, by the testimony of Morgan, by the devotion of Morgan, by the brilliance of Morgan, but by the pastoral care. Like Morgan is a genius. Like he's just genius. Jordan Peterson, Elon Musk, Morgan Irvin. He's, he's in that category. But what, what Morgan has is, what a pastor. What a pastor. I'm like, he, he literally, in our own family, was, was sent by God to be a Moses, to be a deliverer in our family. A rescuer, a shepherd with a rod and a staff in our family. And then I hear this person, oh, and Morgan, and then another person, oh, and Morgan, and then another. I thought, my God, like... He's, he's married, he's got a beautiful bride, he's got two beautiful little babies. He's got his own prophetic, you know, company that he runs. He's wanted by, you know, the who's who of the zoo. Then he's here helping us. And it's like, man, is there three Morgans and I just don't know them? And, uh, but he just keeps turning up the recovery program, the recovery program, because that's, that's what we're here for. And uh, so I just want to, just one more time, let's just honor Morgan. <clears throat> Because again, it came out over the, the weekend that, uh, you know, we just came through like the first wave of a political cycle. And, you know, we got, we, we want people to be politically engaged. And, but in that, you can forget that while, while we're politically engaged, the reason we're politically engaged is because of people. So we don't just, you know, run over people because we're politically engaged. We're politically engaged because, guys, it's about people. If you, if you discard people, if you just run over people, if you leave a trail of mess of broken people to get your political persuasion, agenda, goal, desire, but it's hurting people or it's at the expense of people, you really need to go back to the drawing board because everything we do is about people. Everything we do is about people. We are not in the... the, the uh, theological business we're in the people business in in the the starbucks exterior experience book one of the best books i think we used to get all of our interns to read it you know now they're so woke i'm not sure whether that's a good thing anymore but but back then uh if you open it up it said starbucks is not in the coffee industry and you're like well that makes sense <laughs> your coffee sucks that's why we serve our own and, uh, but you turn the page, you think, well, hang on, if it's not in the coffee industry, what is it? And then you turn the page and it says, Starbucks is in the people business. And then it just begins to tell the stories of empowerment and begins to tell the stories where, uh, the, the, the founder of Starbucks, Chuck, Charles, Howard Schultz, that's it, Howard Schultz, something to do with peanuts. That's how I always remember it. Schultz, peanuts. Snoopy, um, Howard Schultz, said that he wanted to create what he called the third space, the third space. He says, people, when they're at work, they're at work. When they're at home, they're at home. Or when they're in, in the college dorm, they're in the college dorm. He said, and when you're in college dorm, the, the, the environment is you're in college. When you're at work, the environment is work. When you're at home, the environment is home. He wanted to create what he felt like people needed a third space. And so coffee was really an afterthought where he says, I want to create a space that's clean, 
that's, that's bright, that's enjoyable, but people could come in and get the beverage of their choice and sit down and they're not at work, they're not at home, they're not at college, they're, they're, they're in an environment now that is pleasant. And there's music playing and it's clean and they can drink a hot beverage and eat something, put their earbuds in and they can work on a, you know, on a deposition, they can work on a paper, they can work on an assignment or they can just listen to music, they can read a book. He says people needed that third place. And he said that was the genesis behind Starbucks. He saw a need in society and he met it. And Starbucks, whether we like it or not, has become, you know, one of the most successful coffee companies in the entire world. And, uh, but really, if you look at it, what was the genesis? What was the origin? He saw a need in people and he met it. Saw a need in people. Let's never forget that we're in the people business. We're in the people business. It's all about people. And when it's about people, I fail if I don't empower. I fail if I don't empower. When Leanne and I looked after C3 all those years ago, we had one particular pastor who was kind of cheating, if I was really honest with you, on because we all have to, we used to have to pay a 3% levy. You know, every month we send in a 3% levy. And I love um, our magnificent general pastor, Jesse Sullivan, because Jesse wouldn't send 3% of what came in. Jesse would send 3% of what he was believing would come in. You know, the other ones would kind of scrimp and scrape and say, do we have to do it on the gross or on the net, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then they'd round it down after we took out. And so this particular guy was, you know, sending the same amount. So you're trying to tell me you get exactly the same amount of, and, and you do realize that you are uh, like about a tenth behind everybody else. Like, in fact, your, your church that you say is 1,500 people is giving less than this church that's got 80 people. Like, are you really legit here? And he got so mad at us. And he's like, my people are poor people. My people are poor people. And he'd been running that church for over a decade. I remember driving with Pastor Leanne. She's like, well, that's, that's an issue right there. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, if they came to you 10 years ago, poor, and they're still poor 10 years later, what the hell are you teaching on a Sunday? The hell? And he, he intentionally had a, had a, his services were in Espanol because he knew if he, taught them English, all of a sudden it opens up. There's a whole lot of churches in that city that speak English. Whereas he's, if he just, there's very, very few. He would rather have them powerless, poverty, two golden calves, than go down to Jerusalem, encounter the prosperity, encounter the blessing, encounter the empowerment of a living God and leave because it's my kingdom versus his kingdom. It's such a dangerous thing. Such a dangerous thing. If people look the same one year later, two years later, three years later, we fail. You know, I had a, had a, had a, 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 a very sweet man, Pastor Lisa. Uh, I loved Sunday. We saw 29 souls saved. It's what it's all about. It's all about souls. And this is what I'm doing. I'm going to the Ukraine because it's all about souls. And nothing about souls. Oh. And I just said, oh, you know, you know knock yourself out. And... Uh, Jesus didn't say go into all the world and save souls. He said go into all the world and make disciples. 
But, but the souls are sexy. You can say, I preached and one million people give their lives to Christ. It's like, oh, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, my gosh. You gave birth to a million babies? Because that's what born again is. Where, where, where are those babies now? What? No, no, no. You just brought one million babies into the kingdom. Who's nursing them? Who's changing their diapers? Who's making sure they don't have stuff as they're crawling that they choke on? avoiding choking, who's teaching them to walk, who's teaching them to talk, who's bringing forth their language, who's do oh, oh, see, that's a lot of hard work, isn't it? Just sexy at it. We, 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 we get people saved. We get people saved. Pastor Alex was telling me yesterday over, over 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ just in the last year through, through Awaken. But can I, just, can I just say this, that, that our, our goal, our ministry is discipleship. Discipleship is empowerment. And that means confrontation. That means awkward conversation. That means, in fact, can I just tell you that, that uh, quite often I found that I kind of was a little bit hard-headed and could have been a little bit further along if I would have listened if I would have yielded, if I would have surrendered a little bit earlier, this is a house to lean in. We are not trying to build Jürgen and Leanne's kingdom. When we came over, God says, you're a midwife, which is not even sexy or masculine. Like you mean mid-man. <laughs> think I'm getting the black lung, pup. <laughs> so I was trying to say, I said, you mean mid-man, right? He's like, no, midwife. I'm like, gosh darn it. Your job is to identify the gifts, the callings, the anointings, and be a mid, involved in midwifery and bringing forth what's in other people. Lean in. Uh, yeah, prosperity, flourishing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm, I'm rounding. I promise I'm finishing right now. It's amazing that people or the churches that, that preach against prosperity, they've got their golden calves, this powerless, you know, they, they preach against prosperity, always hit on the wealthy. They, 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 they hit on wealthy people. They, hey, um, is there any way we're really struggling? You know, we've had some people with some, you know, some resources join our church. And the first thing that I, that I said to Leanne and, you know, we were in conversation is that we will never, ever, ever ask them for a dime. We will make sure. In fact, I'll go to, to the opposite where when we take them out, they will not pay for a meal to let them know we actually care about you and your soul, not about your money, not about your bank account, not about what you can do for us. Because they, they get hit on, but it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And now I realize why they get hit on, Dr. Matt, is because they're the only wealthy people because the two golden calves keep people poor. 
Whereas if you take them down to Jerusalem where they have an encounter with the Shekinah, where they have the encounter with the Deliverer, where they have the encounter with the Transformer, where they have the, an encounter with the God who leads out of slavery and into freedom from, from bondage and poverty into prosperity and blessing and wealth, then everybody's going to prosper. You can have a Friday night in El Cajun and it's surrounded by heavyweights. It's surrounded by marketplace shakers and, and movers in the, in the business room. You've you got these titans. You've got these tycoons. You've got these business moguls just sitting there and contemplating, man, what are we going to give to vision builders and surge? And man, it's time to surge forward. And, and, and you see all these, and it's over. You, you don't have to hit on one person because you've got hundreds, you've got thousands of people who are coming out of poverty, who are making more than they need because they understand that we are tied to an eternal kingdom where we want to be blessed to be a blessing, where we can bring forth... And the last one, the last scripture I want you to read is First, first uh, Samuel 10, verse 5. First Samuel 10, verse 5. I promise I'm finishing. Promise I'm finishing. This is, this, is, uh, this is Samuel telling Saul, when you arrive at Gibeah, when you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, First Samuel 10, verse 5. When you arrive at Gebir of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located. Everyone say garrison of the Philistines. One of the other translations says where the stronghold of the Philistines is located. You will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute and a lyre, and they will all be prophesying. And they will all be prophesying. 1 Samuel 10 verse 5. The reason that, that we buy buildings is we may say, oh, I like your church building. I like your church building. And for, you know, an unchurched person, the vernacular is, yes, this is a building. But we kind of have some intel that we got from God that you're not buying buildings. You're building altars. You're not buying buildings. You're building altars. And that this is an altar. And when I saw this, it jumped out at me because 1 Samuel 10 verse 5 tells us how to demolish strongholds. What I didn't realize, because I just wanted one church in one location, it's much easier, Will Dillon. It'd be easy, just one church, one. But then he says, no, one church, four locations. And I'm like, yes, we've almost done. Now it's multiply one church, 16. I'm like, oh, dear goodness. And so why, you know, but, but the reason is, is because there are strongholds of the enemy. And so God says, here's how you dismantle. This is in Gibeah, the Philistines have a stronghold. He says, when you get to the stronghold of Nathan Fletcher, when you get to the stronghold of California, Gavin Newsom, when you get to this, this, this abortion, AB 2223, when you get to this LGBTQ, when you get to this critical race theory, when you get to, when you get to this stronghold, I want you to notice something. When you get to the stronghold of the Philistines, coming down from that stronghold will be people who are worshiping. Worship, and they'll have the, the, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and they'll be prophesying. And then he goes on, he says, you know, and the Spirit of God will come upon you, and you'll join them, and you'll prophesy with them. So God gave me an insight, and he says... The reason the devil is so terrified, but the reason we're having such devastating 
effect on the devil. The reason that we are so destroying his works is because the way you dismantle a demonic stronghold is that's where you put your prophets. That's where you put your worship. No wonder we got fresh worship coming out of this house. No wonder we got songs like Revive Us coming out of this house. Come what may. Authority. You've given me authority. Every promise I receive. No, because we, we are sending up. We, we are putting an altar here and an altar here and an altar right in the middle of Philistine strongholds, right in the middle of the garrisons of the wicked. And you know what's happening in those places? Worship is going up and prophesying, speaking God's word. Thus saith the Lord. This is what God is saying. We're not going to go woke and echo the culture. We're not going to dilute Christianity down to what is palatable to a, a lost generation. We're going to prophesy. We're going to bring forth the word of the Lord because our job and our assignment is to undo and demolish the strongholds, to convert those strongholds back to kingdom strongholds because we are here to build His kingdom, not our own kingdom. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.